Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. We're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. And now, here are the doctors. Well, John, we're here. Summertime. Summertime, yes. The hot weather showed up in earnest this week, and... Um, you know, and I think summer's summer's here to stay. It's actually Sunday. spring right now, technically. Technically, it is spring, <laughs> but Sunday, the 20th, yeah. starts the official start of summer. and uh, It feels like summer. <laughs> I, I think it's going to be a hot one. You, I'm, I'm feeling kind of hot yeah, already. Humidity is kicking up, and got great golf coming up this weekend. We do. Right? We, we got, always talk about that. Yeah, we got the U.S. Open, you know, at Torrey Pines out in San Diego, and uh, you know, that's uh, I've been out there before. It, it's a super hard course, beautiful area, you know, but it's just the course is going to be brutal. It's like six inch deep roughs, mm, um, yeah. you know, on that south course at Torrey Pines. So it'll be fun, be fun to see. Check them see, out, see what they can do. Yeah, see if the, the golfers can play. That's about the only sports going on. There's not a lot going on in the world of well, sports right now. NBA like. playoffs are there, okay. you know. Um, yeah, I'm which sorry, is good. I'm not a basketball yeah. dude. Yeah, so it, it is kind of quiet, though, but, you know, two months away from uh, football, right? right? I mean, college right. football starting right. up in August. I mean, it's just right around the corner. And baseball's uh, getting yes. close to the mid, mid-season yep. break yep. kind of thing. So, yeah. Yeah, there you go. So, anyway, though, um, speaking of hot, we got some hot topics to talk about here. <laughs> yeah, like the like the housing market. The housing market Ooh. is smoking. Goodness. So, we're going to talk a little bit about how much does it cost to sell your house. Um, and because, you know, um, people tend to overestimate how much money they're going to end up with when they sell their house. Yes. A lot of people selling their houses in today's market. It's a great market to be selling your house in. Smoking hot. You can sell it fast. But there are some costs involved, and you know you got to get up, kind of understand that before you go into it, so you know, you know what to spend money on, and um, and how much you're going to end up with. Yeah, it's amazing how much it is a seller's market. I mean, the prices of homes um, are just skyrocketing, and it really leads into our second topic is, you know, inflation. That chatter is really starting to kick up, and a lot of people are concerned about the inflation in the future. Um, gosh, you just look at some of the industries like that one is is just an example. But there's a lot of money in the economy. So we're going to talk through, you know, will inflation um, spike? And if it does spike, what does that look like for the stock market? So there's a lot of predictions out there and a lot of people talking about inflation. So we'll dive into that uh, a little bit deeper. Yeah, that'll be an interesting topic because people are concerned about that. Um, so, but by the way, I'm Steve Marbert. I'm a certified financial planner and a Dave Ramsey Smart Vester Pro with over 26 years experience in financial planning and investment advice. And I'm John Travis. I'm a Dave Ramsey certified counselor. I have an MBA in finance and have been helping corporations and individuals with planning for over 28 years. And we're excited to have you listen to us today on our weekly show or our podcast are up every Friday afternoon. Yeah, check out our website, moneymd.net. We have a link to the podcast. You can listen. You can also download them in uh, iTunes. A lot of really good tools out there. If you've never been to our website, go check it out, moneymd.net. And uh, we also have a Facebook page. It's called MoneyMD. And uh, we put a, pr- a prescription of the week every every week, put a video out there and uh, pretty popular. Yeah, that's right. So check us out there. And uh, also on our website, you can link to us. You can send us your questions. We'd love to hear from you. And uh, we'll talk about those right here on the show if you send us one. 
Um, but we're going to start off here, John, with the financial fact of the week. Yeah, this comes from the Social Security Administration. And, and Steve, as, as you know, when we do Social Security planning, Social Security is different for each person. And it's different for numerous reasons. Income is a piece of the puzzle uh, for both, you know, if there's two people um, or even if there's one person. Income certainly drives part of the equation. But another piece is um, longevity. Uh, right. And their family. Some people are like, "Hey, I've been paying into this for forty years. I want to start taking it out. I need the money now." So, right, you know, there's not a, a you know an exact answer for each person. You have to kind of go through those conversations. But it is interesting. So here's the the fact: is about half of Americans take their Social Security uh, before they turn age of sixty five. So hmm. for most people, full retirement age is in the sixty six. Uh, years old and, and some months. So most people are, uh, half of them are taking it before 65. So it right. doesn't surprise me. We kind of see that. A lot of people yeah. want to go ahead and start, you know, if they retired 62, they want to kick that in so they have some extra income. Yeah, that's right. With, uh, you know, people that are our age or younger than the full retirement age of 67. Right. So that certainly the majority of people take it before 67. Um, and, um, you know, but so something that, you, like you said, it's not an automatic there's no, you know, perfect rule for when to take it. it. Depends on whether you're married or not. Depends on your benefit versus your spouse's. Depends on your longevity. Um, when do you need the money? Money is obviously more valuable today than it will be tomorrow for you. You mm -hmm. know, most likely um, if you're retired, um, because you know you want to you want to have more money when you're healthy and when you first retire and and you know maybe not go knock out your bucket list. So there are a lot of factors that play into when you take it. But it does go up about seven and a half to eight percent per year yeah. for every year you delay. There are some benefits for delaying. There's no doubts. There is. So uh, you know, and it's nice to have that. Nice to have it kick in later and have that bigger benefit um, to really help you kind of combat inflation because a lot of times your pension doesn't have any inflation protection. So you know, there are a lot of factors, but. Um, yeah, so don't don't make that decision without consulting some without getting Expertise. some good advice yes. and getting some expert advice because that is a very important decision and there's no do-overs. You have a year to pay it back once you start drawing. Um but other than that, you really don't have any do-overs for that. So um yeah, so good good fact of the week. And that leads us up here to our first topic though, John, and that is how much does it cost to sell a house? Um you know, we're in this this smoking hot housing market here. Um, and so right now, you know, there's actually a shortage of homes on the market um, for selling it. And by the way, this is based on an article from Bankrate.com very recently. Um, but, you know, many, many home sellers, they don't realize that offloading their house still costs a lot of money. And it's a lot of effort if you want to sell it. You want the sale to go smoothly and you want to get the most money out of it. And some of these expenses expenses are negotiable, but sellers they they need to expect to foot a large part of what it costs to to get out of a house to sell a house, um, and also it can be a frustrating experience if the deal falls through. So you want to make sure that you do your part to ensure a smooth closing, a happy buyer, or it could be less than a pleasant experience. Um, but people tend to earmark too much of their selling price toward their next purchase because they kind of underestimate how much it costs to sell the house. 
Um, so it's important to understand, you know, the cost before you start making plans on what you're going to do with the proceeds. So we're going to dive into some of these costs that, that are involved in selling a house. And of course, the most obvious one we're going to start with first here is the real estate commission. Yeah. And that's usually the, obviously the biggest one, five to 7% of the sales price. It, you know, depends on the, the area and the um, agent as well. So if you sell a house, that's $250,000, um, you could end up paying $15,000 in commissions. I mean, that's a big chunk. Um, obviously real estate agents work hard and they, you know, try to, you know, position your house and, and give you help on that. And that commission is split between the seller's real estate agent and the buyer's agent. So in the majority of cases, uh, the seller bears a cost. Um, but, uh, you know, you also may be able to negotiate a lower commission, Real estate agents may uh, be willing to accept a lower rate if they expect the home to sell quickly. And, um, you know, we're, we're seeing that right now. I don't know what the, that's right. done to the commission, but I don't either. Gosh, homes that are going on the market from what I'm hearing are going in hours. And sometimes, you know, they don't even go to market because somebody has found out that's for sale. So I, I don't know what the commission structure is, but, um, you know, that yeah. is certainly the biggest cost. I don't either. Yeah. Also, if it's an expensive house, also, you also get sometimes a break on that commission. But, yep. um, but yeah, it is a super hot market right now. Houses are selling very, very quickly, fast as I've seen in twenty my 26 years in this business. Um, but yeah, many homeowners, they try to avoid the commission by listing a home, you know, for sale by owner. And, um, you know, and, and that's fine. But, you know, if you do that, you got to be prepared to assume the duties of the real estate agent, including showing the place to buyers, um, negotiating, hiring a lawyer to draw up your contract and taking care of the uh, transfer of title. Um, and just 11% of homes were sold by owner uh, last year, according to the National uh, Association of Realtors. So uh, so most people do use a, a good realtor, and, and we recommend that for most people because, you know, if you make sure that your house is priced right for the market, um, and you avoid the pitfalls of not getting the house through closing. Um, you know, home prices change really quickly. They're changing quickly right now. They're going up, you know, right now. So a good realtor, they can often make up their commission by getting the most out of your house, um, given the current market conditions and avoiding the delays because everybody knows delays e equates to money, you mm -hmm. know, when it comes to a house a lot, um, you know, rent, rent and all that. So, um, <clears throat> So there you go. That's home. That's that's the commission part. But then home repairs are another big part. You know, if you're thinking about selling your house, it's likely that there are some things that that you could do to enhance the appeal of your place and potentially raise the value and ensure that it it passes inspection and closes quickly. Um, you know, if you've been putting off sprucing up the exterior of your house, you know, painting the inside or repairing, you know, a, a, a staircase or a leaky faucet. You know, now's the time to, to make those changes and getting the home ready to, to be sold can require some minor cosmetic work like that, like painting, decluttering, um, or it can be some major upgrades. You know, sometimes a new kitchen or a bathroom can significantly rise the, raise the value of your house. Um, but that obviously involves some major renovation and that would take some time in today's market, you know, given you know, contractors seem no. to be super busy. Yeah, right it's now. hard to get somebody to do that. It would be so that'd be difficult to do, but uh, but that would that you know it could significantly raise the value, and you could get a nice return on that money. Um, but if the buyer's home inspector finds problems, you know, such as a damaged roof or or bad plumbing, 
then you often have to pay to fix those issues in order to close the deal. Um, and big repairs can set you back financially, but you know also you got to be prepared um, for them before you decide to sell, especially if you expect some problems that will be reve- will be revealed during the home inspection. Yeah, another cost, um, which probably is not doing going on a lot right now, but it's a pre-sale home inspection. Strictly optional. It's, it's when the seller basically goes out and, and gets someone to come in and do a review of their home before they put it on the market. Um, costs about 400 bucks to do that. Uh, obviously, we would always recommend that you um, get one if you're if you're buying a home. You don't want to buy something that you're not uh, aware of some major issues. So it may not be a bad idea for for you to get someone to come in before the buyer to to see what kind of issues, um, structural, mechanical problems. Um, so you can uh, maybe get it in good shape. I mean, what I'm hearing, I heard uh, a real estate uh, person on the radio this morning just talking about. You know, the sellers are not having to fix anything right now because right. it's so hot. So um, right. just a different market. It's not going to be like this forever. But, no, um, for you sure. know, that pre-home inspection is not a bad idea. Yeah, yeah. There's some pros and cons to that, but it's not a bad idea. Getting a pre-home inspection allows you to make some major repairs ahead of time um, or even minor repairs and remove any possible obstacles you know that would that would lower the price or delay the closing um and they might accept your accept your inspection without the need for their own and Mm -hmm. delay of getting their own so discuss that with your real estate agent as to whether or not that's recommended but keep in mind you know if your inspection reveals some material defects with your home then you have a responsibility under most laws to disclose that to the buyer um, depending on your state's laws. So uh, there is some risk involved with getting a pre-home inspection. So you got to be aware of that before you do that. If you think there's some foundation damage or something, you might want to <laughs> think twice. You need to just get it fixed. <laughs> and so, But anyway, home staging is another possible expense, John. Um, you know, while that might feel unnecessary in today's really hot market, you know, and, and certainly you know, probably is unnecessary right now. Staging a home can help you attract more interest and get the best price because buyers, they like to envision what a house could look like after they move in. So, you know, if you're, if you're a seller, you know, it's worthwhile to, to spring for some cosmetic repairs, of course, natural paint, you know, new, new paint, neutral paint, new flooring sometimes, um, but improving curb appeal with fresh plants, flowers can also really attract buyers without too much cost involved. Um, they say 28% of seller agents said that they they staged homes before listing them, according to the Association of Realtors. So, you know, while you can do some staging tactics yourself, hiring a professional can really pay off, particularly if it's a big house. And particularly if the house is empty, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's where if there's nobody there at the house, that's where staging really becomes important. And uh, also if the house is really cluttered, you know, declutterizing your house, you're getting all the clutter out of there and making it look, you know, good, you know, and, and more empty will help as well. So, yeah, I'll have to confess, um, I, I haven't watched a lot of these shows, Steve, but there is a, a real estate uh, reality show um, out in L.A., and oh, yeah. it's, it's uh, real estate agents, and they're competing for some of the top listings. And some of these homes are $10, $15, 20 $25 million. Wow. And they do a lot of the staging, and they'll spend ten to $50,000 to stage the home. And <clears throat> they'll have you know guests that come in, and they'll have 
you know, food and hors d'oeuvres and yeah, uh, you know, I've it's, seen. I think I've seen that before. Yeah, there's like incredible houses. That yeah, I don't spend an incredible amounts of money on. Yeah, so um, yeah, it, it it certainly can help, and obviously the size of the home and the cost associated with it, you can spend a couple hundred dollars to tens of thousands of dollars, obviously, if it's a big enough uh, home in, in the in the certain market. But, uh, you know, another cost here, Steve, is utilities. Uh, if you plan to, to move out before you sell the home, you'll want to continue to pay for water and electricity. You certainly don't want to cut off the AC in, uh, in June. No, no, that, <laughs> around would not, this. that would not show very well. No, but, uh, you know, if it, if it stays empty for, you know, three, four, five months, I mean, you, you could be talking about a couple thousand dollars depending on how big the house is. So that's something right. you want to work into it. Right. Yeah. You shouldn't have that problem in the day's market, but yeah, no. normally it takes several months. So but you got to leave the utilities on for sure. Um, and then, you know, paying off the mortgage. I mean, the proceeds of your home are going to be used to pay off the mortgage, but you know, it's likely that the payoff amount in your mortgage settlement is is less than um, what you actually owe. Um, it's a little less. Um, but, you know, you'll likely have to add prorated interest that you've accumulated to the total balance that you pay off as well. So you want to just check that and just know what your what your mortgage payoff is going to be exactly and what how the interest is going to play in and if there's any prepayment penalty associated with paying off your mortgage obviously would be important. But then, um, you know, closing costs and additional fees uh, are also a factor. You know, in a real estate transaction, many of the closing costs are the buyer's responsibility, but there are closing costs for the sellers as well. Um, You know, once the market cools down, I mean, don't be surprised if you're asked to kind of foot the bill for some of the buyer's costs too. And that that does happen when people, when when it's a buyer's market. Um, you know, especially if you're trying to sell a house in a market um, where there's, you know, a lot of homes for sale. I mean, some of these costs may include like association fees for homeowners, um, property taxes, attorney fees, transfer taxes, title insurance. Um, you also might be able to ask to, to pay, you know, the escrow fee um, or, you know, a brokerage fee or a courier fee, something like that. Also, sellers often don't budget for title policy which ensures that the title is free and clear. So you got to have a f- clear title and you have to prove that. So it's usually included in the closing costs, but you may be able to negotiate it, um, you know, who pays for that. So um, so anyway, um, yeah, so then that leads us up to capital gains tax. Yeah, capital gains tax, you got to consider that. doesn't hit too many people. Um, the good news, you know, most homeowners are eligible to exclude up to $250,000 of profit. And if you file jointly, that would be doubled to $500,000 um, from their main home. So, you know, if you made less than that um, on your main home and you haven't used that tax break for another sale, a uh, home sale in the past two years, then you'll owe no taxes at all. But, um, you know, the, the tax break applies if it was just your primary home for at least two out of the previous five years. So pretty big um, number there. It doesn't impact too many people, but uh, certainly work with a CPA on that one. That could be a big deal if it's not done right. Real big deal. Yeah, I had a client just, uh, well, a friend just just the other day um, call me and had that very issue. They'd been out of their house for three years and they were considering selling it. You know, and they were um, so they were under they were already under the two of the two of the last five years. But the good news is they real prorate it. But, you know, the clock's ticking, you mm-hmm. know, so yeah. um, in today's market, your house is appreciating. So you're probably going to have some gains. So you need to think about that when you're selling a house that, you know, you maybe have been out of for a while. Um, definitely want to take advantage of that. 
exemption. And then the last thing you need to be concerned about here is property taxes. Um, the sellers, uh, you know, they need to remember that property taxes, which are dependent on if they're escrowing their, into their mortgage, um, they're usually paid in advance. And so the seller should pay the prorated share of the property tax up to the closing and then the, um, the, the money placed in escrow um, for that for the next next uh, billing cycle. Um, so, however, if you're selling your home and you've already paid the taxes for the year, you may actually get a rebate at closing. So the buyer will reimburse the seller's portion of the taxes that have already been paid that apply after the closing date. So something to keep in mind there. All right. And that brings us up here to our question of the week. Yeah, we're getting this question quite a bit. People are obviously buying homes and refinancing. And uh, so the question is, is, should I buy points? Uh, which basically means you're going to lower your interest rate, but there's going to be an upfront payment, um, you know, uh, with my new mortgage. So should you buy points when 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 getting a mortgage to get a lower interest rate? And okay. you know, it it really it depends. I think the biggest question to me is, you know, if you're going to be in the home long term, um, right. Having that lower interest rate, you'll 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 recoup that cost. But if you're going to be there two to three years, I, I would say don't buy the points because you're having to put an upfront. Yeah payment associated with it to get the lower rate and you need some time to get that benefit back yeah i mean i would do a calculation you know um look at the 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 rate that you'd get you know with no points and look at the rate you'd get with points and you know the the payment and the the interest rate and then do a, a cost basically a cal you got to calculate a buyback a, a, a break-even point yes right how you long? know how long does it take you to break even on putting that additional money in to buy points. And then from that break even point, if it's four years, figure out, okay, am I going to be in this house with the same mortgage in four years or not? You know, if it's five years, six years, um, I like to see some kind of break even. Same thing with, with, with refinancing. I like to see a break even point less than five years for sure. Mm, yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. So I wouldn't do it if it's more than five years, but if it's less than five years, then it's worth thinking about how long you're going to be in there and it might be worth bond points. So Great question, though. Um, certainly, that that comes up every time somebody refinances or yep. or buys a house. All right, and that leads up here to our next topic, though, um, about uh, inflation. Inflation. Yeah, uh, it's this is a hot topic. I mean, you hear it, read about it. Uh, this is an article from Charles Schwab. Really good kind of overview of this, and um, you know, there's been a lot of chatter, a lot of concerns about um, inflation with all the stimulus that's out there. And so the question is, is should you be worried? Um, you know, the, the COVID-19 vaccine rollout, um, you know, the $2 trillion relief package uh, is fueling economic activity, um, which by all means and measures is a great thing. And we, we probably will see a, a, an uptick in inflation, um, but Swab specifically thinks it'll be mild and temporary. And uh, that's because demand for goods and services needs to exceed the economy's ability to produce them before the prices will truly start to tick up. So, you know, demand has to outstrip supply, basically. And um, when the, you know, there's still millions of Americans out of work, so demand likely isn't going to reach that pre-pandemic level uh, anytime soon. So um, that's just kind of their take on it. We've got some pretty good stats on the how it impacts the um, stock market as well. Yeah, I mean, we are seeing some inflation this year, of course, John, you know, it has, it has kind of started, but um, having said that, um, inflation's been pretty low over the last, you know, last number of years, decade, really. Um, in fact, inflation's remained 
uh, stubbornly low for the Federal Reserve, below their 2% target for nearly a decade. Um, and even as unemployment has fallen to a 50-year low in the months leading up to the pandemic. So, you know, um, so as a result, I mean, uh, the sustained mood back to the 2 to 4% range would actually be kind of a welcome development for the Fed, given their targets. So, But I think we're definitely going to see that this year. We have so far this year. Um, but the question is, what's it going to be after that? Yeah, and also, how does it impact the stock market? That's another question we get right, a lot. Right. <clears throat> and according to the um, Swab Investment Advisory um, you know, study that they did, inflation in the 0 to 2% range tends to erode, actually, stock and bond returns, whereas both asset classes perform the best when inflation is in the, quote, normal range of 2 to 4%. Um, so it's not until inflation moves above 4% that the stock and, and bond returns actually suffer. So, you know, back in January of 2021, um, inflation was about 1.5%. Like you said, it's starting to tick up. Um, so prices would need to increase at more than double the current rate before we would begin to see negative effects in the stock and the bond markets. So even if the average rate of inflation remains below the Fed's target rate, you know, the prices of, uh, you know, particular goods and services could swing in, in certainly in different directions. So they're saying, Steve, between 2 and 4%. If you look right. back at the history of right. the stock market since 1976, that has been uh, favorable for the stock market. So uh, right. when it goes above 4%, then there's, you know, some more concerns. Right. And, you know, they don't have a lot of data points for this, too. So I would just point out, you know, that, uh, you know, they're looking back in the 70s, and that's the only period, you know, that that period in the 70s when it was above really Four, yeah. above four percent um so but yeah and in, in august alone i mean for example you know the cost of of health insurance um jumped you know 17.4 percent from a year earlier according to the the bureau of labor statistics um and that's compared with 11 percent for major appliances four percent for used cars and trucks on the flip side cost of fuel oil um uh fell 23.6%, you know, so, and, and, and clothing was down 5.9%. So, you know, these disparities were masked by the modest 1.3% prices overall um, for the index last month. So it's just, uh, yeah, you just got to realize that there's always segments of inflation that are happening but that yep. doesn't tell you what's happening in the big picture. Yeah, so inflation, as you're pointing out, doesn't affect everyone the same way. It depends on the goods and services you purchase. Um, for instance, one study found that Social Security benefits have lost 34% of their purchasing power since 2000 um, because the, the uh, inflation adjustments failed to keep up with the rising cost of many of the goods and services that seniors used. N you know, number one, one is health care. Right. So that's right. Inflation does things differently to different segments. So question is, is, you know, what can you do about it? Obviously, uncertainty about the future. No one knows what the inflation is going to be. Um, but it really highlights the importance of having a plan, uh, regardless of what inflation does. And while it's not um, it would be difficult, if not impossible, to adjust your portfolio to match the shifting conditions. I mean, the key is and we keep going back to this, Steve, is be diversified. I mean, no right. one knows. Um, what the market's going to do, inflation is one of dozens and dozens and dozens of factors that impact the market. It is one, but there's so many other things out there. So be diversified. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, um, you know, there are businesses that do well whenever, 
you have uh, uh, more inflation, um, you know, techno- and you have some that do poorly. I mean, for instance, technology tends to do to do poorly during periods of high inflation. They do well during low inflation. But on the flip side, you know, there are other stocks like real estate that tend to do well, um, and uh, even bank stocks. And um, you know, so there are sectors that do well, like commodities, um, during inflation. So. You just don't know, though, how it's going to affect it. I mean, each company is different, and so the key is to be diversified. Yeah, and it's all, you know, diversification. Uh, article goes on to talk about diversification in uh, international. The U.S. markets have done very well, but, um, you know, making sure that you have exposure to international asset classes. Uh, they're predicting that U.S. small cap stocks are going to do uh, very well over the next decade, uh, better than large cap and international. Obviously, no one knows. So, you know, their takeaway is, is, you know, inflation is one of many, many factors that in, impact the market. Don't make your decisions based on this one thing. Uh, we're seeing headlines now saying, hey, inflation is raging. In some areas, it is. But in other areas, like we talked about the fuel, it's not. So, right. um, you know, be diversified. Don't try to time it or predict the markets. It just doesn't work that way. You'll better serve yourself and your family if you stay diversified have a plan, do some rebalancing, and uh, turn the news off. <laughs> yeah, you know? exactly. Don't overreact to yep. a little bit, you know, news of a little bit of inflation um, or even a lot for that matter. Um, you don't know how that's going to affect things. Stay diversified. That's really the moral of the story here. So good topic. And that leads up here to our final thing, and that is the prescription of the week. Yeah, I saw a stat the other day, Steve, about the number of jobs that people have in their lifetime. And I think it's Certainly double digits. It was either 11 or maybe 15. So that means that, you it's know, lot, it yeah. is. A lot of people have um, abandoned 401ks um, at old companies. And um, I mean, they come to us and they need help looking at it. So you got to figure out what your, you know, you got to understand your options. You can certainly leave it there long term. Um, you can also roll it into the new company 401k. That's right. an option. Um, you can uh, roll it into an IRA and self-manage it or have an advisor help you with it. Uh, cost or a piece of the puzzle, you got to understand that. But uh, we do see a lot of people cashing them out. About a third of people surveyed um, cancel or cashed out their 401k. Totally cashed out. That's a terrible option. It is. It really is. Not only do you have federal and state taxes, but then you also have a 10% penalty if you're under 59 and a half. So, and then that money that you cashed out doesn't have the chance to grow in the future. So it's a exactly. not a good option. So work with someone if you have questions um, in your situation. There, there's a lot of different options options and choices that you should take a look at. Yeah, you should. You should get some advice. You know, the statistics also show only 30% of people actually get some advice to help them um, make that decision. So we would suggest that that's the smart 30%. You know, you need to you need to get some advice when it comes to cashing out your 401k or what to do with it, whether to roll it over, rather leave it there. You know, it depends on what funds you have, what the costs are, what your plans are for the future. Um, but don't just leave it there orphaned and forget about it. Yep. Um, do something with your 401k. Make a smart, informed decision. Um, you know, no decision is a decision, unfortunately, and mm-hmm. it's usually a bad one. So... <laughs> There you go. Good prescription of the week. And that brings us to a close for this week's edition of Money MD. Tune in next week for more prescriptions for your financial health. Check us out on our website, moneymd.net. Send us your questions. We'd love to hear from you. And you can give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of the week. Have a good one.
This program contains general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. This broadcast is not a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. SmartVestor Pro is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor.